0: with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at GrillNationShow and online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation, always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I'm your host Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today on 980 AM or if you're listening on iTunes via podcast or at the website GrillNationShow.com. I greatly appreciate it we have been uh away for a little bit with all the things happening with the Super Bowl in Kansas City as well as uh different uh shuffling around here with uh sporting events and whatnot and I have been uh super busy on all kinds of stuff from client work to uh uh you know uh all the fun stuff that happens here in Kansas City and throughout the country been traveling a lot But I'm glad to be back, and I really want to thank our listeners for uh, listening to the show today, and obviously thank our contributors to the Grill Nation show, which include Landmark Bank and the KCADC. On today's show, we are going to have a guest on the phone line. Actually, we set up uh, the phone line just now from New York City. He is originally from Kansas City uh, and grew up here and uh, lived here throughout high school, comes back a lot and uh is a successful entrepreneur. He's now in New York City. Uh I've known him and his family for gosh, I I'd, I'd say at least 12 years now, maybe yeah, 10 to 12 years and uh very excited to have him on the show because I've been following his his uh growth of his company. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, he's been featured in uh, Fast Company, uh an entrepreneur story here out of Kansas City. So I'd like to welcome on to the show Zach Lawless, who is the CEO and founder of Fresh Bull. Uh, Zach, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. It's uh, it's great to catch up again.
0: Yeah, I know, right? I, I don't know if I've actually seen you in real life for uh, quite a long time, but I follow you on uh, social media and obviously have been reading these articles uh, about your company, uh all over the place and i know you guys have been very successful so far but for our listeners who uh before we get into the company and what you do and how you got there talk about your background here locally in kansas city and uh and what you did here and and kind of what where you went after you left kansas city
1: definitely And and also in background i know it's been a little while but i've been i've been following along with you as well so uh very i was a sock of the monk uh or sock 101
0: yes you were uh, i love that
1: as well too so uh, i've been i've been following along with your journey as well too it's been really cool uh but yeah uh, my background like you said from kansas city uh i i grew up in overland park uh I went to school at blue Valley north go mustangs uh <laughs> i'm i'm a big kansas city fan everywhere i go i i still love the city in fact in New York, I think it's a little bit more novel to be from Kansas City when I'm, when I'm pitching investors. So I try to to convince as many of them to make a trip. I, I tell them it's the, the Paris of the Midwest, and we've got uh, the best barbecue. So I'm always doing my, my, my part in promoting the city and, and uh, singing its praises. I, I love Kansas City, and any chance I can get back to it.
0: Yeah, I know you do. And uh, it's a good time, you know, with the Chiefs being so good um... – I got a chance to go down to the Super Bowl. It was incredible. Uh, What an environment. I'm so jealous. And I can't even even explain how great it was. And similar to 2015 with the Royals' journey and 2014 as well, just, you know, there's a lot of civic pride. And I know that uh, I'm assuming in New York that uh, there's a lot of places to go to watch Chiefs games as well as a lot of Kansas City folks that you're friends with up there. So I'm sure you had fun with that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, um, um, am um, my only bone to pick with Kansas City is we decided to start winning championships after I moved away. Sixteen years, <laughs> sixteen years in Kansas City, and I, I never got a Chiefs or a Royals uh, championship, but uh, definitely follow it from afar. And it, you'd be kind of surprised that there's not as many Kansas City bars in in New York as you would think. When I when I was living in San Diego, though, I lived next door to a Kansas or Kansas Jayhawk and Chiefs bar yeah
0: like what boardwalk. was the name of that place
1: it was the boardwalk it was so cool I had <laughs> <loved> that place.
0: <laughs> yeah so right so you left Kansas City for college um right about when I met you you were in high school but then you left for Kansas you left to go to college and you went out to San Diego that that was a good spot to go right
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I loved it I mean I thought I through college I was in between if I was going to go to KU or, or go out of state. And it was a, it was definitely a, a last minute decision to, to make the move to San Diego. I think I, I think I made the decision like right before summer. So it was, it was a really late decision and um, I loved it. I, I San Diego I, state
0: university, by the way, for all the listeners, yeah, um,
1: go, go Aztecs. We had a rough loss. Today. Oh yeah. 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 You're, you're
0: in the, the prime seat here with the team for basketball. I mean, Potentially a number yeah. one, but a number two seed, maybe number three. I mean, you're right there. And then you got KU, your other favorite yeah. team, as a number one seed.
1: You know, if they had a, if the uh, if the Aztecs hadn't blown that game, mm-hmm. there was a chance I would have had both Aztecs and KU as a number one seed, which that might be the only that, time. That'll, that'll, yeah, that'll
0: never happen again the rest of your life, probably, right? That's one of those genie in a bottle type things. So you went out to San Diego. Um, you got a bachelor's degree in medical engineering with a business finance minor. Tell us about that. Me- I mean-
1: yeah, sorry, mechanical engineering. Mechanical so medical, engineering. Yeah, yeah.
0: Sorry. Uh, sorry, I'm a little bit slow. I haven't been on the air for a few weeks. That is a <laughs> medical engineering with business finance minor and a major. Yeah. There you go.
1: Medical medical engineering definitely sounds a little bit more scary than mechanical. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I w- went to school in San Diego State. Uh, like you said, got an engineering degree. Didn't, didn't really know what I wanted to do going into college, but... Knew that every one of my family was engineers, and that it, it seemed like a hard degree. So I figured if I could, if I could get through with an engineering degree, it would be a uh, a good good resume builder. Mm-hmm. And about halfway through college, I, or actually my junior year of college, I was president of our fraternity, so I got a lot of exposure to our, our alumni. All of which were, were mostly businessmen throughout San Diego. A lot of which were real real were real estate owners, mm-hmm. and so that through exposure to them, I kind of realized, oh, I want to be I want to be in real estate. Um, I want to um, kind of take the same path that a lot of them had, and so I added a minor in business at that time, and also joined like every real estate board and organization that I possibly could and even even ended up competing in a, a, a competition called the naop competition uh at the end of the year which was was mostly reserved for the business majors but uh but ended up, it's a a mock development competition through uh through southern california mm-hmm. and that was where I really got like the most exposure towards what I wanted to be doing outside of school uh was was a great a great competition between us. All, all the San Diego schools and Southern California schools to, to redevelop a part of Encanto to uh, California. Which so
0: that, so that was more real estate finance. So I know you, mm-hmm. you mentioned the passion about that and engineering. And so uh, we're talking to Zach Lawless. He's an entrepreneur and uh, CEO and founder of Fresh Bowl. We'll get to that here in the next segment, but you really kind of started your career in finance.
1: Correct. So that, like I said, that NAEP challenge was kind of like the, I, the, final thing I did in college. So through that, I ended up meeting a bunch of different real estate owners and getting a job offer in New York City to come out and work on development for a company called H&H Builders where we were doing a lot of the redevelopment in, in New York City. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with New York City. Do you know, like, the, yep. the meatpacking meat area? Yep.
0: Yeah, I ran the so New York City Marathon last marathon. year, Zach. I don't know if I told you that. Um, so I, I, ran sh- I saw through I ran throughout the whole world, and my uh, claim to fame on this one was I beat the Bachelor guy by a minute. He's 26 years old, so I was a 40-year-old. I appreciated that. Um, and uh, and uh, but no, I stayed in Hudson Yards. Obviously, that's an area that's completely redeveloped since I was last there. We got to go to break here though, Zach. I we got uh, Zach Lawless on the show, Fresh Bowl CEO and founder. We're gonna have a lot of fun today on the Grill Nation show. Thanks for listening. Hey. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today on 980 AM here locally and also on iTunes and podcast or at grillnationshow.com where I will post our show from today as well as more information about our guest. We're talking to Zach Lawless, who's the CEO and founder of Fresh Bowl. Fresh and health. It's a fresh and healthy vending machine in New York, environmentally friendly, taste bud friendly. It's a really cool concept we're going to get into. Uh, Very successful, featured in Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, uh, BuzzFeed, you name it. Their website is myfreshbowl.com. Zach is from Kansas City. Uh, Zach, we talked about your your upbringing here in Kansas City. You went to Blue Valley North, you went to college at San Diego State engineering and business and then you uh you ended up in new york working in real estate and you were telling us a story about kind of the first area you kind of worked on in the meatpacking area i believe you were telling
1: us yeah the the first project or the first company i really worked for their primary focus was in it was within new york city as a whole but primarily within meatpacking. so it was it was pretty cool and then there was a small um small fund here in New York City and uh, a construction company in, here in New York City that had some really iconic properties that they'd acquired. So um, like I said, I know, I'm know i not sure how familiar you are with meatpacking, but there's an old street called Gansevoort Street, which was home to what was called the Gansevoort Market for a long time, and then uh, a famous old building, our old restaurant called Pastis. And so, right out of college, we were remodeling and redeveloping these, these two big projects. Or I was actually project managing for three projects in New York, all of which were, were over $200 million projects. So, it was kind of this, this crazy baptism by fire right out, of, right out of college. But it was a great way to get introduced to New York, get introduced to the real estate scene. Very cool. Um, and and get, get some real responsibility on my plate early on.
0: Yeah, so you did that, and uh, I think I've eaten actually at one of those places um, that you said the <laughs> name of it. I've actually been there before uh, many times. Uh, yeah, so you started that, you did that, and then around 2018, you decided to uh, start your own company. I mean, how did this come to fruition? What what happened? How did this all work?
1: Yeah, so there's especially in New York City,
0: ahead. right? You know, I mean, it's not like yeah. you're you're doing it out in Silicon Valley or you're, you're back home, you're, you're in New York city, you're a real estate financial person. And now you're decided I'm going to start a, uh, a VC back company that provides crafted meals on the go, right. And leverages technology to uh, yeah. cut out packaging waste. So what, how the heck did this happen?
1: Yeah. So there's a middle step in there. And uh while the first job was really in project management, the set, I knew I wanted to get more into finance and, and background uh, finance, and was always kind of very interested in venture capital. So I jumped from there to a company called CBest, where I was doing uh, private equity and social impact uh, venture capital investment. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a really co- really cool exposure into really more of the finance side. But the the interesting thing that really led me to the startup was that we were managing a portfolio of around. 20 medical office buildings uh, throughout the US. And one of the first things I realized was that we were giving free or subsidized rent to all the food tenants in these buildings just to really provide that amenity for the space.
0: Mm.
1: And so, yeah, and so uh, this all kind of really came to a head with this $200 million building we had in Buffalo, New York, where we were trying to get Sodexo, which is one of the largest food service operators in the country, to come in and be the uh, food provider at the site. However, Sedexa was really only willing to pay about like one tenth of the market rent, and none of it was going to be guaranteed as a percentage of sales. So uh, we started looking for additional options uh, where we were looking for like food trucks or any type of micro market that we could put in. And when we when we started putting in the micro markets, we realized that the grab and go food wasn't um, that the tenants weren't happy with the grab and go food and so i started looking for a better option on the market and what i what i realized is, is there wasn't a better option in grab and go and that there's some real market dynamics for why that existed and that every time there are in any given region there's really only one to five producers of uh, fresh made or grab and go food that produce for anyone from 711 to whole foods and because they're set up in contracts where whole foods or 711 will purchase Uh, a set amount each month, those manufacturers really have no incentive to understand the purchasing behaviors or the waste that's going to go into those type of products. Additionally, because they're not not worried about who's buying it, they're more just worried about selling it to these larger distributors, they don't really look for market trends on what consumers are looking for. So you end up with this really generic white-labeled product. Uh, with extremely high levels of spoilage, in some cases, like Seven Eleven, as high as thirty percent. So mm-hmm. in order for them to get their in order for them to get their margins back, they're reducing the quality of the ingredients they're going into it, and you get this giant cycle going over and over, which kind of leads to the, the crummy grab and go experience that all of us uh, are currently familiar with.
0: Oh right, yeah. So this was kind of like every entrepreneur—you saw a need, and there was no one doing it, and you decided to do it, and uh, you know here. Back in Kansas City, you know, I mean, I'm sitting in a studio right now and the company kitchen is from Kansas City, I believe, or around this region. Beautiful. And they, they have the they have more of the, the snack type foods that grab and go. And it was a novel concept when you got rid of vending machines at, at the beginning when it was, you know, they're just sitting out food in these offices and you, you kind of have a little kiosk thing that you pay for. And I've seen, you know, we're used to the grocery store model where you know you go in and there's there's food on the shelves so i looked at your uh, investor pitch and you have a picture of one i mean the same old uh, rotisserie chicken chinese oh, yeah. food uh in that plastic container that we're all used to seeing and it's really it's nearly not what your consumer wanted and so you decided let's let's figure this out so you you looked into it and did you ever think that it would be kind of a vending area machine or did you think it would be more of a food delivery service or what were you thinking
1: so all I was kind of open. <laughs> well, I was kind of open to anything at the beginning, and I think that the the other parts really parlay into this is this is the summer of the plastic straw. So I don't know if you remember this, but about two summers ago was when everybody was like boycotting plastic straws, at least in in New York City, and it was like the big news of the summer. And so while I was while I was noticing that from a social aspect, and also noticing from investing in social impact, uh, venture capital on the other side of the business, that sustainability was really starting to have a make, uh, to make a movement. Mm-hmm. I had this kind of pipe dream that if we were able to find a product, because if, if you're getting into this world of shared economies and closed loop, the packaging and all these other things are going to live on into multiple life cycles. And so if you could find a way to, um, really own the packaging as a way to build a direct relationship with the consumer, that you could start to kind of, whereas traditionally like a Whole Foods would own that relationship with the consumer. We, as the, 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 the brand, no matter where we were distributed could hold that relationship with the consumer. So I kind of had this idea for how I wanted to build a company, but I didn't have a product. And then on the real estate side, I really found a product that would fit well into this kind of, a, this larger sustainability idea. And so uh, now that I'd kind of put the two of them together and had a vision, the idea was how do I get enough distribution and enough ret- points of return where I can create a, like a real meaningful infrastructure to grow uh, this type of, bi- type of business. And so that's where I fell in love with the idea of vending machines and that they're really in- inexpensive and prefabricated so that i can scale quickly and that they can be cost efficient or even or profitable in enough small locations to really create that meaningful infrastructure
0: and they're not they're not what you normally think about i mean i'm looking at photos and there's some photos uh all over the internet uh but myfreshbull.com uh is the website and you're all over you know you've been in fast company in the wall street journal and they're they're, they're very they're, they look really good i mean they're big type things like you would see in maybe an airport as you're traveling through selling headphones or whatnot or something, you know, like more of an advanced vending machine.
1: Yeah. I think that that's the part that I probably left out there at the the beginning is, is that the vending machines uh, are forward and reverse vending and that, that you can actually, you grab your jar out of it, but the vending machine will actually accept your jar back into it as well too. So you, you return it directly back to that location.
0: Yeah, we'll get into kind of all the the deals with the food and with kind of how it works. But again, these are these are reusable glass jars, and we're talking about healthy food in these things.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. And the idea being that if you're you're if you have a product or a container that can be reused over over multiple times, that that packaging cost is distributed over its life cycle, and and you can uh, beat the packaging cost of single use plastics. So that's kind of the the larger vision is to create a, a financial model where it really makes sense to start using reusable packaging and things like that.
0: So you guys launched in 2018. Mm-hmm. You got funding. Uh, seed funding?
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty crazy story And that I was getting ready to go out to raise money. We, we just had our prototype, which I built in a garage in Kansas City, actually, with my dad. And uh, we So we had one machine. We were getting ready to launch. We're launching it at uh, works at 85 Broad and a friend of mine said that I should meet with an investor Ben Ling of, of Bling Capital and I, I, met with, I ended up sending him a text at like midnight or around 11 o'clock on, on Friday evening and we ended up sitting, staying up that evening texting back and forth till like 3am about the company about the market opportunity and then the next day he sends me a, a message I'm coming out to New York on Wednesday to see the machine and he's from Silicon Valley, so I was like, "Whoa, is this crazy? I don't even really have a deck put together. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really ready to fundraise at this point." It was pretty crazy. And he comes out. I meet him. I remember meeting him in like the hotel lobby at a Marriott. And he's like, "This is great. I like the product. Uh, it's like one of those scenes out of Silicon Valley where he's just like super direct, knew exactly what he wanted to do." Swung by, took a look at the machine, and then sent me a uh, an email about an hour later with a term sheet. So it was probably one of the serious? quickest fundraising so- <laughs> Yeah. It was well, probably one of the quickest fundraising stories of all time.
0: We'll get more into that after the break. We're talking to Zach Lawless, who is the uh, co founder, excuse me, and CEO of uh, Fresh Bull. Uh, their website is myfreshbull.com. It's an amazing concept uh in New York City and hopefully soon sooner or later uh all across the country. But Zach is from Kansas City, he lived here, went to high school here and is now in New York City. Um so many cool things to talk about with this company. We'll be right back on the Grill Nation show here on nine eighty AM to discuss more as well as on iTunes via podcast. Thanks for listening today to Grill Nation. You, you are- Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today on 980 AM or on iTunes via podcast. Again, our guest today is Zach Lawless, uh, CEO and uh, co-founder of MyFreshBowl.com. He is uh, calling us in from New York City where they have uh, started. Uh, you will see Fresh Bowl machines all throughout the city and continuing to grow. He was talking to us in the last segment about his his seed funding, his venture capital funding, and kind of an interesting story about how quick that went. Zach, I want to start us off today. So, uh, I, how many locations do you have now, and how many do you hope to have? I know in your prospectus uh, you have uh, close. You want to have close to a hundred at some point. Is that correct? And pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, pretty quickly. I mean, right now we're still pretty. We have ten machines live in New and, York City in Manhattan. In Manhattan, uh, we're hoping to have. 20 by by uh, by end of Q2 and then 50 by the end of the year and 100 within 18 months.
0: Okay. And so I'm walking in New York City and I see your Fresh Bowl. I mean again these you go online myfreshbowl.com you can see photos of of what it looks like. I mean I'm looking at one right now and it's it looks like a salad of some sort. So I'm I'm in New York. I'm working there. I'm walking around. I'm starving. I don't want to go to a fast food restaurant. I don't want to go to uh, you know, the grocery store, and pick up one of those uh, nasty meals. I say, oh, I want a fresh bowl. What what happens? How does this work?
1: Yeah, so typically we target office lobbies and transit centers. So you'll probably either be commuting through somewhere or coming down from your office looking for something to eat. Uh, typically, how it works is you'll go up to it. We have a big screen there where you can order, look through the items, uh, and figure out what what it is you want to purchase, and mm-hmm. then. As a traditional vending machine, uh, you'll just click that item, the, pay for it, and we'll dispense the item to you. The different consumer behavior really happens after the fact where you will be um, – where when, once you're finished, you can actually bring the jar back. You'll scan the jar when you come back up to the machine. It will uh, – a door will open. You put the jar into the machine. When you close the door, you'll, you'll enter your phone number, and we'll send you a text that notifies you that you've just received two dollars towards your next purchase and then for all of your future purchases when you're checking out there's a place where you can put in your phone number you put in your phone number it registers your account and you get that discount towards your next purchase
0: so what what's the average cost per consumer right? it's 750 is that right
1: yeah the average receipt is 750 but the meals really range anywhere from 11 dollars down to down to five dollars
0: Oh wow! So it is affordable too, because that's an issue. You know, you go to some of these fresher, uh, healthier, sustainable places sometimes, and you leave. I'm, I'm, I'm going to name a name here: Whole Foods Salad Bar. And I'm, I'm ending up yeah. getting like a half of, uh, not even that much food, and I go to the register, and it's like thirty dollars. And I'm considering, like, how the heck did I just do that? But uh, <laughs> yours is a little bit more affordable through the vending machine. It sounds like. So, anyways, that's awesome. Um yeah. And, you know, we have Chateau Milk here in Kansas City, which I know you're aware of, where that was a novel concept back in the day when they would drop off uh, glass milk carton or milk uh, glass uh, milk at your house and then you would finish it. And at the grocery store, obviously, you can return it and whatnot as well. And they've done very well.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, and it's funny because people talk about these types of systems as being novel. But really, the infrastructure and this type of consumer behavior has been around for ever until single-use plastics came around. So you talk about the milkman of, like, what, the 50s and 60s.
0: Right.
1: That that was around for a while, and now that's all kind of died. But in order to get those systems back in place and those those kind of consumer behaviors – but technology coming to the forefront is going to play a big part of that. And Fresh Bowl's real mission as a company is to really be that 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 consumer brand around kind of bringing back that behavior. The fact that you can actually return the jars, if you look at a lot of different sustainability programs, like Starbucks has one where you can bring back your cup and you get like 25% off or 25 cents off. Uh, there's a place out here called Just Salad where you can have your bowl. But the problem with all of these, on average, they get around 25% return. But the problem is that they're leaving the onus onto the consumer. Really, the consumer has to remember to bring their cup. They have to sanitize their cup. It's a long process. It takes an extra extra effort on their part. The difference for what we're doing is we're saying, "Hey, drop off your bowl whenever." We'll use te- we'll use technology essentially to store your credits, communicate everything to you, and let you know that you have that there. Um, uh, we'll do the dishes and sanitize everything. So uh, next time you're ready to purchase, you just step up to the machine and purchase. And I think just that that little switch in and um, and how we do things and how we communicate to the consumer has made a huge impact because we're seeing return rates for our our locations at eighty five percent, and even in our public tr- even in our public transit locations like the subway, we're seventy five percent return rate.
0: Unbelievable and a lot of customer engagement and loyalty. I'm seeing a sixty five percent average uh, jar gets six point six seven uh, times a use. You have almost a five star customer rating, a four point eight. Uh, you. Purchases per repeat customer about 4.1 in your pilots. So you guys are really doing well. And, uh, you know, this is a concept, hopefully, at some point, Zach, that uh, you get so big that you are uh, bringing this back to your hometown, right? (laughs) You have have an office. There's a lot of offices around here, too. Maybe we're not, we don't have the subway or the transit, but I would say uh, I can think of a lot of big companies around here uh, that would love to talk to you one because they're innovative and and doing cool things but i i think starting in new york obviously with foot traffic with with just the the the, the hustle and go the fact that people maybe are more a little more uh environmentally friendly at certain points and and, and want to help out and do this uh seems like a good spot to uh to start your company
1: yeah hopefully sooner than later i uh i think that Kansas City and a lot of, I mean, different markets are going to have different metrics that drive them. But I think Kansas City would really work, and that New York, you have this issue of we need to be hyper convenient, we need to be in the lobby for it to really work because there's so many food options so close. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you get into when you get into different markets where people are really commuting to grab lunch or doing things of that nature, uh, it opens up the opportunity to go into maybe uh, even smaller office buildings, but you're going to have a higher purchase rate for your employee. So I think that, as we expand outside of new york uh I would love to go to Kansas as soon as possible
0: so tell me about um how this food gets made i mean how how do you guys do this you you know you have the plastics that are returned, you gotta put fresh food in there every day, I would assume, or every I don't know how that works every other day, but how does that even happen how did you how do you manage that and how did that how did you work in that wrinkle? We haven't even talked about that yet,
1: yeah, so uh the food's produced every day, stocked in the machine every day um and then uh, whatever we don't use we we then either compost or donate to local food kitchens depending on the quantity behind it but the food has definitely been kind of one of the most interesting wrinkles of this of this entire part uh, I think that I I definitely underestimated it when I was when I was in finance because you just look at numbers on a spreadsheet when you're looking at operations and you I don't think you put the the full weight behind how difficult of an operations food is and so uh, in fact, when I first started, I came up with a menu and I, and I, and I was like, if I can just get one big client, then that would be a good start. And so I had my, my uh, eyes set on WeWork at the time, I reached out to them, paid somebody online to put, put together like a fake menu that I could put in a deck and send it to them. And their response to me was like, hey, this is great. How about you come cater our creator awards? And so I, uh, I committed to it on the spot without even knowing what I was getting myself into. And I had 30 days to cater for a 5,000-person event in the middle of New York City, which was just which was just like a crazy exposure to this whole thing. So I called up my parents out of Kansas. I called up a few friends. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm going to rent out a kitchen in New York. I need your help. I got my, I got my food handling license. And uh, within that week, I think everything that could go wrong went wrong. Like all of our food got delivered late. We were going down to a local grocery store to buy things. At one point, we exploded like a blender all over everything in the kitchen. Um,
0: (laughs) A true entrepreneurial story.
1: Yeah, it was a nightmare, but we ended up pulling it off. We were the first of three vendors to sell out at the event, and WeWork ended up giving us our first location, but I I realized after that event I needed to go find a food partner. So teamed up with a a local entrepreneur and – Uh, A local food entrepreneur and catering catering entrepreneur here in New York City named Chloe Vachot, who has had a restaurant in New York called Ann Clee that was doing sustainable, uh, which was a sustainable cafe and catering service. And so uh, she jumped on as the first co-founder on the team and has been a real instrumental part in getting this off the ground and and taking the food operations, which I should never have been a part of.
0: How did she? How did how did you meet her?
1: Uh, I just went online and started Googling people that were doing high-end grab-and-go food. And when I found her and, and saw her story, it resonated a lot with what, what I was trying to do. So I actually walked into her store and was like, hey, let me pitch you on this crazy vending machine idea. Uh, I, I think she thought I was uh, nuts at first, but she gave me a second meeting, and I was able to convince her to jump on board.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Zach Lawless is our guest. He's from Kansas City. Uh, he grew up in uh, the Leewood area in Kansas, high school as well there he uh, is the uh, co-founder of Fresh Bowl myfreshbowl.com Zach we've got about a minute left in this segment Um, how much funding have you guys raised so far uh, for the company
1: Uh, we've raised a little over 2.7 million so far
0: and uh, you can read more about that in Fast Company or in uh, Wall Street Journal they've covered you Um, amazing amazing to raise that much money so quickly in only a two year period not even a two year period
1: yeah, it's been a, a real interesting experience to kind of uh, get exposure to the venture capital world and, and really how it works. So I think that we raised our first round, which was a little over 600000 from Ben, who I mentioned. And, and where's Ben from fruit. again?
0: He's from Silicon Valley. Is he of a company or what?
1: Yeah, he has a, he's a former Coastal Ventures GP, and he started his own fund right when I met him called Bling Capital. Mm-hmm. He came in, and then we brought on some other investors and advisors that all all joined the team. So we brought on Nick Toronto, the CEO of Plated, uh, Evan Moore, the CEO of DoorDash, and then Daniel Almong, the CEO of of Topingo. Wow! so we got a a great board of investors and advisors behind us immediately, which really helped kind of fuel our growth. We brought in some some big contracts from some large food service organizations like Aramark, and and then launched our first like real pilots with machines that weren't built in my, my parents' garage in July of last
0: year. Very cool. Zach Lawless is our guest. We're going to come back for one more segment here on the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill. Yup. Welcome back to Grill Nation show. Jason Grill here. I'm joined by Zach Lawless, who is the co-founder and CEO of uh, Fresh Bowl. Their website is myfreshbowl.com. Kansas City guy and now in New York City. Uh, his two sisters are there. They're great people as well. And his parents are, are in Kansas City still. So uh, uh, great family here and uh, known them for many years. So it's exciting to have Zach on the show. Zach, uh, we talked a lot about your business and kind of how it all started. I want to talk about kind of what the future looks like. Take us through that because uh, you mentioned you're going to continue to grow the, uh, the machines, vending machines all throughout New York City. What, what else are you planning to do? I know it's more than just um, a fresh, sustainable uh, food option and bowl uh, in New York. What else are you considering?
1: Yeah, well, I think that it's important to understand like from where we are now and, and the goal as the company we, we say is to make sustainability both humanistic and simplistic. And that a lot of times people look at sustainability as this massive goal that's too big for their individual contributions. Uh, and so uh, by, by rewarding individual consumer behaviors and making it as easy as possible on them, uh, our goal is to create a, a, a consumer brand that launches outside of just even food uh, to make this happen. And so the vending machines are a really key model of that, like I said earlier, and that they provide the infrastructure. So as we gain distribution, uh, we'll be able to make it easier and more convenient for people to have it uh, to have these types of products. But the, that includes, if you look at sustainability, is kind of focused around two different factors, which is closed closed loop systems and shared shared economies. And so, what's really exciting is in April this year, or April or May of this year, we're going to launch what we call our shared economy products. And so, for instance, that is water bottles that you can grab out of the machine that come in reusable water containers. If you return those water bottles to the machine within the next five days, we don't charge you. Uh, So it's it's a way to kind of build shared economies that includes things like um, tote bags. So we're working on a deal with a large retailer right now where one of their issues is that people will come into the store and they'll buy reusable tote bags to take their groceries home because they forgot their own and they feel bad buying plastic or paper. Mm-hmm. So for that retailer, for that retailer, what we're doing is we're actually adding the tote bags into our machine. If their customer is part of our program, they can grab it out of there. If they don't, if they return within the first five days, then we don't we don't charge them for that product. That product, and so that that includes everything from like umbrellas, the water bottles I mentioned, phone chargers, and uh, and it kind of the idea is to to expand into um, the area of, of shared economies as well utilizing the networks of the vending machines that we're placing
0: you can do anything with those things man they're they're revolutionary yeah. and you can look at the kiosks and the uh, vending machines online you can you can google the company they've been in the wall street journal fast company buzzfeed there's videos um you're just everywhere you've raised up to 2.7 million already uh you're providing a fresh solution and uh combining technology distribution and infrastructure all in new york city right now hopefully we will at some point see you scale into other cities uh but i can't wait to uh to check it out next time in new york city and and try this out um you 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 know the delivery process how did you get all that straight i mean geez you gotta you gotta fill these things every day um that's gonna be interesting to see how you pull that off right
1: (laughs) yeah like especially in new york yeah it is we we uh we do everything overnight for that reason. Obviously, parking and everything in New York City is, is extremely difficult. But the company really lies in the operations of it. So uh, logistics and culinary, is as far as producing the food and getting the food to the machines. So it's all it's all been a, a learning process. We've got a uh, operation model for how we want to expand. And obviously, the more locations we get, the more efficient that those deliveries will those deliveries will be.
0: What's the uh, so you have a group of advisors? You have your co-founder. You have uh, uh, investors. How, wh- what's the employee base look like right now? I mean, are you going to continue to scale that up? I imagine you have to with 100 potential units in the next 18 months.
1: Yeah, the employee base will continue to scale. As far as kind of like the the back office team, there's mm-hmm. six of us. There's six of us currently, and then we have uh, three three members in the kitchen that are working full time. Uh, and then, two delivery drivers, so that, those will all continue to scale as we as we move forward, um, but will you imagine the back office so that that kind of course six staying pretty pretty steady through the rest of the, the next eighteen months
0: and you 've got a lot of distribution partners you said uh, you mentioned Aramark and others i 'd assuming that they 're going to help you get into more doors at more places hotel at some point you know you could see some you mentioned you 're on the transit already in New York, but um, you know, you're in a, you're in a hotel lobby by an airport or you're, um, you know, you're, 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 you're at a sporting event or whatever. There's all kinds of different potential places where people are trying to be innovative. I just, I just see the sky the limit as long as, you know, the initial machines go well. And it sounds like they are, um, there's so many ways you could continue to grow this thing.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And so, that umbrella targeting-
0: thing just sounded amazing uh, from a start in New York City. What a, what a great idea when you're walking everywhere there. Just even that, you know, I mean, there's so many different ways to take this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially as I think I think that network where we're creating something where you can purchase and return directly to that's automated um, is super important. We're targeting locations where uh, pub- like large public locations where there's a lot of foot traffic to increase that convenience for the vending machines. And so that is exactly what you're talking about. That's uh, like museums uh, transit centers, hotels, uh, office lobbies, like, like we, we were mentioning earlier and really we got to get you in, we work
0: here at some point. Um, I know the Definitely. head person at the, we work here and, uh, have done, I know the head of security at the, we work in New York. So I'm sure he's probably tried your, uh, your food before he's from yeah, Kansas funny. city of all, fa- all places, <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> former That's secret the, service okay. guy. So he's up in, uh, New York now, but, um, you're, you're you're doing all these great things, Zach. I mean, congrats to you again. myfreshbowl.com. dot com. Uh, check it out if you're in New York City. Check it out, uh, Zach. Again, is from Kansas City. He grew up here. He his sisters are both from here. They both live in New York now as well. Um, Zach, uh, what do you miss most about Kansas City? I know you're going to tell me you miss barbecue, but you that's probably <laughs> probably one of the most things you miss, right?
1: Oh yeah, definitely barbecue. It's the first thing you want to get off the
0: plane. What's your uh, what's your uh, go to?
1: uh kansas city joe's even though i still refer to it as oklahoma joe's all
0: the time z-man correct oh
1: yeah i go for the z-man every time <laughs> get the and the pulled pork you gotta get both meats on it it's so good so what's but, the uh, but we, q39's been yeah uh, that's been a, that's a great spot too. too
0: what's your uh what's your uh what, what's the new york city entrepreneurial scene like i mean obviously you've you've managed to be successful very early on with uh with fresh bowl what's that climate in that ecosystem like
1: um, it's incredible. I mean, I think it's second only to San Francisco in, in in the US. And it's uh it's you can tell it's growing a lot. There's a lot of really um, great investors located out of here. The new lead investor for our round, Betaworks, is located out of here and and we work in their office currently. And I would say it's a it's a really tight knit group. Even in San Francisco, it's a very tight knit group, but uh but New York as well too. Everybody's kind of um, knows one another. They're we're pass they're passing deals around and even from the entrepreneur side, uh, they do a good job of making the entrepreneurial community all coming together. In fact, we have like a group that goes to grab dinner every few months that is all like food-based hardware companies. And so, um, it's, I think one of the, one of the really important things for being an entrepreneur and especially for like venture businesses or venture backed businesses is that, um, it's really important to be around a community who's doing something similar. And And having that kind of network that you can ask questions for and and get guidance.
0: Mm -hmm. Zach, I'd love to introduce you to a couple of pretty big people here in the local area that are uh, doing a lot with startups and venture capital and uh, very successful exits. Uh, Would love to have you come back here next time you're in town and to connect with them or speak to, to maybe to an entrepreneurial ecosystem group at Kauffman or one of those groups here in Kansas City. But congrats on all your success. Please keep in touch. Uh, we'll be sharing the love from Kansas City for what you're doing uh, in New York and the big city, and look forward to talking to you again sometime down the road, my friend. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to catch
0: up. Zach Lawless, our guest on the Grill Nation show this week. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill. Take care, everybody. Ooh,
1: girl, shining like a 5th Avenue diamond. And they don't make you like they used to. You're never going out of style.
0: You're saying